2: They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants
0: on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: No,
0: Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hi, everybody. I want to welcome you to a retro episode of World's Finest True Believers. When we moved the show to the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network, we could not easily drop all the previous shows into the feed. So what we decided to do was to drop them every other week so new listeners can get a chance to hear them and our veteran listeners of the show can revisit some of these golden oldies. If you like the show, please give us a review and rate us on Apple Podcast or whatever your podcatcher choice may be. I hope you enjoy this retro episode and I'll see you all next week with a brand new episode of World's Finest True Believers. Hello, and welcome to World's Finest True Believers. Each episode, a guest and I will discuss one of our favorite comic book arcs or graphic novels from any publisher. My name is Chris. Thanks for joining us. Now let's get started. So welcome back, listeners. And uh, we have a returning guest uh, tonight joining us. Uh, Ryan, why don't you say hi to everyone? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. So shy. (laughs) That was good. Uh, So, yes, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you back. And um, for those of you, uh, it's been a little while, but um, Ryan had uh, joined us to do Batman Noel. But for those of you that need a little bit, uh, a little bit reminder of who Ryan is, and he's got some news to share because some changes have happened along his end. uh, Why don't you remind our listeners? um, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well... Um associated with Batman on film for quite a few years now, I've been on podcasts, written a lot of reviews, and I don't know if I'd mentioned it when I was on last time. I think it was your episode nine to talk Batman Noel. Uh but definitely you and I had talked a lot off mic, and you helped a lot in uh launching a podcast on Batman comics. Um and that has finally launched. It was a long, long road because I think the Noel episode was released in October of 2019, and that even was like, "All right, hoping it gets to launch soon." So here we are, <laughs> all these months later, and the, uh, yeah, the show is launched. I've got quite a few shows in the in the bank. I have asked you to reserve a book so we can record in the future, and it's mm-hmm. called the Batman Book Club, and it is on Twitter, it is on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. And SoundCloud, so if you like hearing people discuss comic books, by all means, please take a listen and give me valuable criticism.
2: <laughs> no, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, um, I know by this the time this drops, you'll have a couple more episodes out there. But at mm-hmm. the time of this recording, you know, you've dropped your first episode, which I really enjoyed, and I I, I am happy to happy to be a part of. Uh, getting you off the ground at that point with advice because so many people gave me advice and helped me out so i'm happy i get to return the favor so congratulations i'm so excited uh to see it out there and i'm looking forward to jump on your show and uh talk will will hide the book right now but i will definitely look (laughs) forward to uh when we record that and do that so yeah definitely give uh the batman book club a listen um. So why don't we? Why don't you tell our listeners what we're talking about tonight? Because it it is not Batman related. We you have veered off your your favorites to do something a little different.
1: Yes. So also first time, um, when we discussed of a book for me to cover, I'm like, oh, my favorite is Batman: The Long Halloween, which was covered by Tim Rooney on your show. And then I thought, well, if I'm doing my own Batman podcast, I got to go. Outside of Batman, and who's my favorite next to Batman? It'll be Spider-Man. Oh, but I love the creative team of Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale from The Long Halloween. (gasps) They did a Spider-Man book, and it's called Spider-Man Blue.
2: What? (laughs) Yeah, Spider-Man Blue, uh, a six-issue run from July twenty. 2002 to April 2003 it is the quote-unquote second of the proposed color projects with uh loeb and sale uh Daredevil yellow was the first and interesting enough this actually came out the same year as the first toby Maguire spider-man movie released so nice little marketing pull on their part
1: very very smart very smart and boy do I feel old
2: I know it's <laughs> cliche
1: for anybody as they get older to say oh I feel old but it's like, we are not far away from 20 years since Spider-Man.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you... um? Did you uh, read this first run, or did you discover it later on?
1: Oh, definitely later on. I didn't have access to... Because this was before the digital age of single issues online and such. So you had to track them down, hard copies. And I didn't have a comic book shop close to me growing up. And so definitely as re-release of hardcovers came out and I knew uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. I loved their work with the Batman books that they did. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember how I even learned of them covering these Marvel color series, but I think it was, I just was looking online at Spider-Man comics cause I'd been making, you know, I'd had a job and was making money. So I was spending it my money wisely on comic books and I said, oh my gosh, they did a Spider-Man book, Spider-Man Blue. I got to track it down. And so I bought this. I don't know what year it came out, but I think it's almost like a deluxe edition, a larger format. Um, Spider-Man Blue collected hardcover, and it is fantastic.
2: Oh, yes, it is. It is a very, very touching and uh, deep tale at that point you know it's for being spider-man it's interesting so let me read a synopsis uh, about it so we are start off with a quote it's about remembering someone so important to me i was going to spend the rest of my life with her what peter parker didn't know was that was that meant Gwen stacy would only get to spend the rest of her life with him this is the story of how they fell in love or more appropriately how they almost didn't fall in love welcome to spider-man's life bad before good it's kind of amazing. So in order to get the girl of his dreams, he'll have to run the gauntlet of the Green Goblin, the Rhino, two vultures, and a mysterious man in the shadows controlling it all. And also highlights our introduction, it does cover the introduction of Mary Jane Watson in a very critical moment in Spider-Man's life when everything was just coming together only to fall apart.
1: The interesting part of I think this for me was explaining Gwen Stacy. Cause I think when I first read this, I never had a clue of a Gwen Stacy. Really? My Spider-Man, wow. Yeah. My Spider-Man knowledge was from the nineties cartoon, which I okay. loved and adored sure. and still do to this day. And mm-hmm. unless, am I forgetting was Gwen Stacy ever a part of that?
2: It's been so long since I've watched it. I don't even want to say yes or no. We obviously know Mary Jane was, but I, yeah, I, I hesitate saying one way or another. And
1: in the limited Spider-Man stuff that I'd read, Mary Jane Watson was the, you know, was the love interest. And there was no mention of a Gwen Stacy. So I didn't know who this character was. And it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was this book that introduced me to that. And then I started to look into, oh, she was actually the first. There's a history. There's a mm-hmm. big, there's a an iconic story. Involving her in the Spider-Man mythos and all of that, so it was kind of a whole new world there, which maybe added to my appreciation for the story as well. It was my introduction,
2: yeah, and 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 her rise to fame, even now recently with Spider Gwen and the Spider Verse. At that point, I love seeing that Gwen <laughs> Stacy has has you know, no pun intended, gotten to some new life breathed into the character and given us a new appreciation for it. So, mm-hmm. but that's a, but that's a story for another day. So another day. Um, it's another day, another another time. But uh, <laughs> so let me uh, go into as we always do, uh, looking at our showrunners. Um, these are returning showrunners, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So um, we covered them in the uh, long Halloween episode. So I'm just going to do a couple of the highlights. Uh, and if you want more in-depth coverage, uh, definitely check out the long Halloween episode. But, uh, you know, Jeff Loeb was raised in Stanford, Connecticut my home state, go Connecticut, whoop, whoop. and yep, yep, yep. Um, and he began collecting books during the summer of 1970. Um, one of an interesting story I remember saying is that uh, Jeff met one of his mentors and greatest comic book influencers, writer Elliot McGinn, and he suggested a story that would eventually be called "Must There Be a Superman." And McGinn used that and became the initial story into the Superman franchise and was published in Superman number 247 in January 1972. So even at a young age, um, had some influence on that. Um, he attended Columbia University, graduated the B.A. and a master's degree in film and began his kind of film writing career, uh, authoring, uh, co-authoring uh, the script for Teen Wolf and Commando. 2002, started writing scripts for Smallville, which was the first one entitled Red, introducing Red Kryptonite to the series, Uh, writer-producer of Lost, uh, co-executive producer and writer for NBC's Heroes, um, became, in 2010, was announced as part of the expansion Marvel Expansion Television, became the head of Marvel Television. Unfortunately, now no longer the head. He has since departed that. You know, in the comic world, his first comic was The Challenger of the Unknown, uh, volume two, one through eight. Uh, and then we begin a series of many collaborations with Tim sale with, uh, Batman legends of the dark Knight Halloween specials, the long Halloween, dark victory, uh, from Marvel age of apocalypse, uh, co-created the X-Man character, uh, wrote the heroes reborn version of captain America, began the color run of Spider-Man blue, daredevil yellow, Hulk gray, Captain America, white, um, later was a writer in Superman helped with the crossovers of Emperor Joker, our war, our worlds at war, then teamed with Jim Lee with the seminal story, Batman hush, Uh, then worked with in bringing the series Superman, Batman to light. He used his hometown of Stamford, Connecticut as the subject of the superhero destruction of the first uh, major part of civil war. And one of my, all-time favorite stories is um when his son sam had died in 20 in 2005 um a bone cancer he he and a group of collaborators um helped bring his story to light in superman batman number 26 it is probably one of my all-time favorite uh stories just a it, it always makes me cry at the end of with the final story so um so yeah so just a little bit about uh, jeff Loeb. any of those um stories some of your favorites
1: well the marvel colors series obviously anything Mm -hmm. batman that they touch i think those would be if i did a long a top 50 all of them would be included
2: (laughs) oh yeah definitely and um now we come to tim sale and i I just something about his art just screams like pop you know just Mm -hmm. like old school pop there's something about it Um, it's
1: i think it's simplicity
2: Mm-hmm. That's you true. know,
1: it's like, obviously, I wouldn't want to offend him and saying like, your art looks <laughs> simple, because that's not <laughs> the case. But he he does something about it to where I think every action is extremely clear. He plays in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does he does well and like in emoting, mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. too detailed. Like, I, I think I it's like the long Halloween that the two have worked on. I'll compare of substitute Jim Lee for Tim sale and hush and look at the two. And it's like such drastic I think that, that that compliments Loeb as a writer of look Mm -hmm. at the two artists right there of how well both stories, how good both stories are and so different, the art styles, but it still works at the same level. And uh, Lee's is very detailed art sales is not necessarily extremely detailed, but still gets the job done.
2: Yes, it's done. He actually at the, um, when we get into the, creation of the storyline he um talks about the impact of sales art on his writing um and how they play off each other but uh born in 1956 in Ithaca New York um spent most of his early life in Seattle Um, he attended the University of Washington and before moving to New York to attend the School of Visual Arts um, body of sales work has been with jeff Loeb, and a number of these are going to be sounding repeats working on batman legend of the dark knight halloween specials the long halloween batman dark victory superman all seasons catman went in rome for marvel comics he teamed with the color books as we've just gone over and mentioning captain america white which was announced in 2008 with only issue number zero published and was finally saw print remember <laughs> 2008 finally saw print of the full series in september of 2015 so oh my gosh um, yeah <laughs> when we get to that i definitely want to find out the reason for the delay i doubt it's probably it's probably less interesting with i think you know time things happen changes happen but um i know we'll get to that eventually so. the
1: ultimate cliffhanger in comics right there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seven years
2: yep 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 so um but yeah so so i found a you know as always i try to dig into you know what inspired these stories what's the history what's the creation of it and mm-hmm. found a really awesome article that just kind of covers it all so this is from uh, uh cbr.com uh called born to be blue jeff Loeb on spider-man blue by russell lasso this was published in january uh january 31st 2002 so he he He's talking to Loeb and Loeb says, you know, when I approached Spidey, what I wanted uh, was to figure out how his life works. And I hit on the idea that things have to get really, really bad before they get good for Spidey. It's a yin and a yang thing. This is also the first op- this is also my very first opportunity to work on the character. And to be a bit more specific, um, he says, This series, I wanted it to take place in a certain seminal point in Spider-Man's life. So this actually takes place and kind of the, a lot of the panels are very similar to this be, when Stan Leith and John Romita seniors run on amazing Spider-Man um, with beginning with issue 39. Um, and it debuts the, when the green goblin is revealed to be Norman Osborn, sorry, spoilers. Ah. <laughs> um, and this, he Loeb saw this as a critical moment for Peter, because he said this led to a series of changes in Peter's life, mainly his love life. Um, moving from the um all right guy with the gang and moving on to you know his his uh the gang with flash thompson harry osborne gwen stacy and shortly thereafter mary jane watson and he says before everyone thinks that the colors have to do with costumes and asks why spider-man blue it's and not black whatsoever colors can mean a lot of things he says he says it's about blue as in sad or lovelorn or like in mm-hmm. jazz music, but unlike daredevil yellow, which was about the catharsis of losing Karen page, Spider-Man blue is mostly a play against that. It's it's since Peter's life has dealt with so much calamity and most of his life at a time. Each color book was intended to remind and introduce readers things that have fallen by the wayside, and that same holds true there of Gwen Stacy. We fell in love with Gwen as Peter did, and ultimately we were torn between Gwen and MJ, and hopefully Spider-Man Blue will leave our readers equally divided. I would say, as we delve into this, I think that is a really true thing to say because you definitely see that torn of who should he be with.
1: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think anybody coming into it You'd say, oh, I know where he needs to go, who he needs to go with, Mm -hmm. but then that's a compliment to the story, the storytelling for this whole book that you're, I don't know, you're just as torn as Peter is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, He says, unlike every hero that comes before him, Peter couldn't make it at all together so that if the superhero part was going well the personal life was in the crapper and vice versa Spidey stories are very emotional and in some ways touch us all Spider-Man Blue is in many ways the most personal story I've ever told because it is so much about how I look at life it's a roller coaster. nobody knows that better than Spidey it's sheer joy butted up right against depression bad and good are so close together it almost becomes blurred and I'm not talking about good and evil I'm talking about how you feel on a given day my friends know my wife knows what i'm talking about maybe when this is done some readers will know too and so one last thing i i because i hinted at this he he talks about how his collaboration with sale kind of makes things just how they work together and he says it's practically guaranteed to be a hot seller when it's a team up with them and he says Loeb, lobe says his writing style uh, with sale is different than when he's working with another artist. He says, My background is a screenwriter, and that entails writing dialogue for specific actors and creating images that entice specific directors. Uh, whose credits include films like Teen Wolf and Commando and the upcoming Buffy the Vampire Slayer animated series. When I work in comics, I can't turn off that side of my brain. I think my best work comes out when I'm writing for an artist, working toward the strength and avoiding his weaknesses. Tim and I have worked together for so long that there are certain things I know he does well, and I try to structure a story around those things. He does facial expressions, hand gestures, and body movement almost better than anyone I know. So conversations between characters is always a delight. Someday I'll get us to do a story that only has the secondary characters like Jim Gordon, foggy Nelson, Lois Lane, Perry white, all in a room group therapy or something. Tim would draw the heck out of that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I don't think I've seen at least in the collaboration between the two, there hasn't been a bad panel from Tim sale. Like granted, I don't know that I've come across a bad panel from Tim sale, (laughs) either
2: <laughs> but uh, it's like we could say there's a lot about a lot of ours but i love his splash pages i mean there are mm-hmm. a good number of uh, splash pages whether just introducing us to mary jane for the first time to spidey fighting dr octopus
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think that's that's just where he really shines to where there's something about the energy that comes out of the page when you look at it of like oh i bet he had a blast with this page oh yep mm-hmm. i bet he had a lot of fun with this page and i know Granted, I know it's hopping to the other side with DC and Batman stuff, but in a lot of commentary I've read of his comments of Batman pages, he's, he's said as much of the Mm. splash pages, the two page things are, that's just, that's a lot of fun for him. That's where he's a little kid again.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I could totally understand that. So, um, so yeah, so right before we get into, um, the, the issues at this point, um, basic background to set up the graphic novel i mean it is kind of as we said it it kind of takes place during uh that amazing spider-man run uh with ramita senior and stan lee as we reveal an issue opens up with you know the revelation and the fight between green goblins harry osborne and spider-man and so at that point you know you obviously need to know who spider-man is Mm -hmm. you know kind of key players in his life and i think that's about it i mean you don't need too much to go into this.
1: Yeah, he's established, and that's definitely a benefit. I think that's a benefit for a a book, period, because that means that anybody can jump in.
2: I, I wouldn't say jumping in cold, though. You de- you definitely need to. I wouldn't recommend this as a first book for people.
1: True. Yeah.
2: But, I, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um so let's let's get into this let's look at these issues at this point so uh yeah starting i love how these issues are titled so we'll we'll start with as you know surprisingly mm-hmm. let's start with issue number one let's go what? crazy let's start with issue number one <laughs> what a twist what <laughs> <Exactly>. a twist <laughs> uh, book one is called my funny valentine so what are <laughs> what are a couple of uh favorite parts you want to kind of gush over as or, or anything in particular hey everyone Before we go to the next topic, we're going to head into some ads that help the Geek Ultimate Alliance keep the lights on. We don't get to choose what ads come on, and they sometimes can be a bit loud. So I want to give you a three count in order to give you the opportunity to turn your volume down before they come on. Three, two, one. We'll be back in a little bit.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to— Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com
1: and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: The give me Spider-Man versus Green Goblin. That is my Marvel equivalent of Batman versus Joker. Mm -hmm. Give me Spider-Man and Green Goblin all day, any day. So if there's one complaint about this book, it's that halfway through the first issue, Spider Man and Green Goblin are done. <laughs> I wanted more. Give me a whole book on the two. But like, give me the prequel to this, like, where it is uh Peter and Green Goblin and him finding out that he's Norman and Norman finding out that he's Peter and and their whole battle on that because that story is such an awesome Spider Man story, I think. The whole mm-hmm. uh my best friend's dad is my enemy. Like that whole thing works really well, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about this book right here. And I think that (laughs) that fight is a really, the inner monologue of setting up the stage of what he's doing. He's, you know, he's talking to Gwen. And if you know, you know, the history of the story, which I can't remember the first time I read this. So I, I don't exactly know, but once I did my research, I found out why he's at the top of the bridge, leaving a rose. And why he's talking to Gwen in a monologue over it, and then we see the Green Goblin. It all connects. Mm-hmm. But then the the fight between between the two is really cool and really it's colored really well and drawn real well by Sale. So I just right out the gate the, the beginning their fight is my favorite part of this first issue.
2: Yeah, definitely. No pun intended. It does start off with a bang, um, but also like you said, the inner monologue is very emotional and. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I said you really can't jump into the story and really appreciate who Gwen Stacy and who Gwen Stacy is to Spider-Man pity Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, because like you said, if you don't know three, two, one spoilers, um, Green (laughs) Goblin is responsible for Gwen Stacy's death. Well, uh, well, Peter in trying to save Gwen Stacy after she, he is, she, she is thrown off the bridge by Green Goblin. Um, peter is inadvertently tries to save her and ends up inadvertently snapping her neck uh, <gasps> murderer rescue. so that's you know that's it, it's it's just one of those seminal moments that again if you don't know that the beginning kind of doesn't ring hard it doesn't have that hard impact as it as it does for us that do know that
1: mm-hmm. i mean you could you could piece not directly together all of it but i mean when somebody lays one single rose on a spot, you know what that symbolizes. Mm-hmm. Okay, connect True. that to the monologue. Okay. Like somebody that doesn't know. Again, I really wish I could like dip into my head for ten seconds And the first time I read this, and like, what did I think? I thought that. <laughs> but um yeah, and now of knowing, I don't know, it, it really works. It's like, oh wow, and then you turn that page and there's the green goblin smile, and then he's facing Peter with his mm-hmm. mask off. And it's like, say what? And then they exactly. fight, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's a good fight. Nah. Excellent.
2: It is. Any any other parts in the issue you want to go to?
1: Uh, they do, I mean, good seed planning of characters. A quick intro into Gwen and like the whole group and everything. I think it's all character work and then a good tease at the end of Mary Jane. So the initial, the opening fight really stands out, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's the action. But I mean, the whole, the rest of the way is just seed planning and definitely works and they build upon even that first fight they build on that fight like it mm-hmm. definitely echoes throughout the rest of the issues especially the very last issue and everything so uh it's a really strong start
2: no you're right they do a really good job at reintroducing some of these storied characters that uh, have been in peter parker's life for for generations and i think one of my favorite my, besides the green goblin fight i think you know that one panel where we see Gwen's face right up close and you Mm -hmm. can see that her her eyes are towards Peter and it's very interested in Peter and then you end when he gets on the bike and she jumps on with him and just you know just the you know Peter Parker being happy you know it's you know the Parker luck always takes it away like they said if his superhero life is going well his personal life is in shambles he never seems to get a balance of both but when sometimes it does it may be fleeting but it's nice to see him happy for a minute.
1: Mm Mm-hmm yeah, and I think so. The up close on Gwen, it definitely you can see the inspiration of that Stanley and uh, that Stanley run of you said of Amazing Spider Man thirty nine through whatever. Of the, it looks like an updated version of the sixties, you know. And the the book plays in kind of timeless fashion. But you could look at that panel of Gwen and think, yeah, that could work in the sixties, like. <laughs> <laughs> definitely influenced by that by that run and so which is really cool it's a it's a strength i think
2: mm-hmm. no definitely so let's head to um issue number two which is called book two let's fall in love so what were some favorite parts of this book for you
1: well the introduction the the mystery to hook you the rest of the way of who is this guy in the shadows it's not batman it's a good. i know a good seed plant uh there but i think i always kind of get a kick out of peter and kurt connors mm-hmm. uh and especially in this book where we're not gonna he's been the lizard before you know it's it's yes. not telling the origin story of the lizard it's there's it's been established and so i just think that that's some that's some good work so i always i like spider-man's ally of dr kurt connors
2: yeah. And, and, you know, his warning is saying you're going to be interacting in things that and mm-hmm. chemicals that could, you know, bring you back to the lizard. And, and so, like you said, it's already been established. It's already hinted at it, And it's almost like, yeah, this is going to take a turn. <laughs> yep. When is this coming?
1: And so, yet again, a strength in the story of not a wasted panel, not a wasted line. It's they're going to build on this. And we see this play out later on in the story, too. So I think that gives it a, a, a rereading like strength and you can reread it and be, like catch some things it's it's worth rereading after you know you see how the story plays out and you go back and you're like oh yeah this they planted the seeds here at this part you hit on it at this part more s- seed p- planning that sort of just keep going back to uh but another strength good mm-hmm. good issue
2: yeah it's it, it i just got i kind of chuckled a little bit you know after he kind of puts down Rhino, not permanently. He says, hey, I'll just be back. I, I know how to... I found this thing. I'm going to analyze it. But, just you know, keep him at bay for a bit. And then it's like, I don't know how much time passes, but gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then he comes back and says, hey, guys, sorry, I'm back. And then able to take down the Rhino. It's just kind of like, I really want to know how much time passes because I would be like the cop saying, um, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle him without you, but sure, thanks, Fidey.
1: <laughs> I leave you alone for a few minutes, and look at the mess you made. Like, I like... Spider-Man's little, you know, quibbles, his little mm-hmm. lines, and that's yeah. just kind of what it is too.
2: But yeah, and then you come to the splash page of very famously in Peter's life. Let's face it, Tiger, you hit the jackpot. And how Tim Sale takes that that one panel that is so famous with Ramita Senior uh, drawing that and makes Mary Jane his own. Like mm-hmm. it, the the image the scene is still there but he has made mary jane his own version yep and just i mean wow i mean
1: <laughs> i mean he he pulls in even the granted so i just i just picked pulled up the the original like ramita's drawing of her and to compare and contrast it's yeah even incorporating the blue with the black and the hair color with well done Tim Sale. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what you're doing. And yeah, oh, that's yeah. a that's a good like what a good. I'm glad that I didn't read this on first run cuz all that I had to wait was 2 seconds to flip the page and continue reading as opposed mm-hmm. to having to wait a whole month for the next book cuz I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what are they what now? What now?"
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So so yeah, uh, so yeah, so let's uh, head into book 3, which is called Anything Goes.
1: Anything Goes. And, what an,
2: And I'd say what an appropriate thing, because this is a, a almost very Mary Jane. Let's, let's understand who Mary Jane is.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny. Cause I think a, I think Loeb does a really good job here of building her character. Cause there are moments where she could be a kind the type of person, the stereotypical kind of person that you could be annoyed with and be like, uh, don't, don't fall for that trap, Peter. Like, I don't know that this is a guy like we've encountered people like this in real life, I think male and female and mm-hmm. like it's steer clear. But then there's just enough moments that she, it's not too strong. There's other little key moments that she does, too, that can like win you back to where, yes, try to take the MJ bias out of it. It's kind of like, no, this is this is a charismatic character. I, I like this character.
2: Yeah, it's. You know, we know Mary Jane's a very, uh, a very big free spirit, you yes. know, in her younger years. And so that's very, very evident um, in this. And she is just, you know, just in the whole diner scene, she is in, she's just the life of the party. She's in everyone's face, but just mm-hmm. trying to be that, not the, not the noise that flashes. Like she generally wants everyone to have a good time and she wants to be the leader of that good time. Yep. Absolutely. And Gwen ain't having much of it.
1: Exactly. That's what I was just going to say, too. And not not overdone either. Uh, but just, you know, when you get a panel and then, like, there's a the group panel of all of them sitting at the table and she pulls out her makeup and she, you know, freshens up a little bit on her makeup. And <laughs> it's like, just the little things like that. And a little comment here and there. Um, so that's, I mean, the lizard, I just said I like the Kurt Connors stuff. I didn't say the lizard. I said, Kurt Connors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and though that's your action for the issue. But I think this whole diner scene is, is really good. Cause it's fun to just see all the characters reacting. She owns the room. And then in a sense, it's like, here's flash, the all-star jock. And then he's just like, he's got, he's got this new, you know, the new star it wants nothing to do with him. It's all about geeky Peter Parker. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah exactly i don't i don't get it how does he get both the girls <laughs> how does he get both the girls what <laughs> uh yeah i think that's probably my my highlight of all this because action is fun and great and everything but it's the the character beats and dialogue also wins you over
2: yeah and, and i like that you know when we've you know dating back to issue one you know peter going to harry they're not he he harry and him aren't quote-unquote as friends as they become like there're more acquaintances and things like that. But you know when we come to the end of the issue, you know, you know how much he's taken an interest, yeah, you know, Peter's checked, you know, been with him, things like that, inviting him to move in with him. You know that's the the big changeover in the relationship. But like you said, it's the book is this whole book is about relationships and all the relationships and how protective Peter is of the Connors family to make sure that, you know, his wife knows the lizard, but how protective he is to make sure that the son doesn't see that, that, you know, even when he's able to revert Connors back, you know, they just pass. Mm -hmm. Oh, they got a little crazy in the lab. You know, he is so protective of, of the family and the relationships. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And then we get that, we get the mystery, man. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get
1: much. He doesn't get much, but that's all his glowing eyes from the
2: shadows. (laughs) Exactly. So, so let's head into book four autumn in New York, which
1: the fall in the upper Northeast of the U S. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's, that's always the star of the show. You're welcome. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Being being originally from there. Yes. We, we, we do know how to do fall, right?
1: Yukon. Uh, let's see. So, it's not a favorite part, but I really, I do like the panel of Gwen and MJ dancing. Like it kind of makes me laugh because it seems really cheesy.
2: <laughs> and it just rings of like those sixties, yep. um, beat beach, uh, beach movies at that point with Annette Futicello. you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> but it, it's, it's a perfect mirror for, he does such a good job mirroring that exact sequence in the issues with Ramita senior and, and, uh, Stan Lee.
1: Yep and it's not a direct like rip off it's a no, it's inspired not. by so and i think actually like a, i can say like a favorite part of this is the end of the issue where he's just laying on the snow i think that's a really good, that's a good page like a, it's a good drawing and his and his monologue going out of it you know his recording that he's with gwen at that point too it all works really well cuz for a hero to rise he's got to fall
2: mm-hmm. and against a and against a new vulture that he's never seen before
1: Hmm. Yeah. And so I'm I mean, kind of underestimates this is, I mean, this is classic Spider-Man. Sometimes he's in a little over his head approaches a little too cocky and he needs, needs to kind of be, I don't know what the good phrase would be. He needs a good punch to realize, Whoa, whoa, whoa! take it back a little bit, but I, mm-hmm. I just think that's a really good, that's a strong panel there at the end.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just, it's like you said, the hero falling in realizing that, um, you know, he's overestimated his enemy at that point. But also I like that it's always an interesting dynamic. Flash is so a Spider-Man supporter, but he is the first person to rag on Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's always an interesting dynamic seeing how obsessed he is with Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Get over it. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, let's head to book five, If I Had You. Well, almost back, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, stepping right back, like looking at, you know, they're all over to their new apartment and dang, that's an amazing apartment. I
1: know. You know, That's not an apartment,
2: <laughs> that's like a palace. That they're, it's, that's, it's sickening. That's it what is. it is. That's, it's
1: sickening. I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's their new apartment. So they're all going over for, you know, dancing, having drinks and things like that, having a good time. And of mm-hmm. course, Peter being Peter and the Parker luck, um, he's missed it all. And that's where we kind of begin.
1: Yeah, he's missed it all, but that's kind of that's okay because then he's gained it all as you see a few pages later.
2: Yeah, how does Is he it... gain it all? Let's let's go into that. How does he gain it all as he's recovering from his injuries?
1: <laughs> because he's getting he's getting treated by two nurses. Both this would floor Flash Thompson the most, I think. Are you kidding me? He's just laying in bed and he's getting serviced by both. My gosh. But uh I think that's a that's a funny scene. Especially, and slightly awkward, because the comments between Mary Jane and uh, and Gwen towards Peter, Peter's reactions, I just think, so what is it? One, two, three, four pages, but mm-hmm. I don't know, they're, they're kind of a hoot. And that says something, too, that this is now two of the five books, my favorite parts have not been action beats, it's been characters. Mm-hmm.
2: Especially just... Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, in which, like, there you go, Jeff Loeb, because action's always great, but it comes down to character and story. And here are character beats that are standing out to me of my favorite and issues. So,
2: mm-hmm. it's just like Mary Jane feeding him soup, and then Gwen coming in and saying, "I don't want to read Huck Finn to you." My uncle used to read Huck Finn, and they're both <laughs> like staring at him, saying, "Which one of them's gonna turn you on the most?" And then, as Peter Parker does because he sees what's going on in the background. He says, I need to rest. And the death stare, they both give him at the same time saying, Fine, Peter. Sure, Peter, we're done. Let's get out of here.
1: <laughs> oh, lovely. Lovely. Just good.
2: Cool. And then a the, oh, little we're, interaction. I, go ahead. Yeah. You go, go ahead. With the interaction.
1: Flash. <laughs> it's like.
2: Yeah. Earth to flash. Drop dead. Or Mary Jane with love.
1: And then he's just looking at Harry like, what? huh?" <laughs> just. Classic Peter.
2: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get this lovely splash page in this book with the Vulture versus Vulture versus Spider-Man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's great. And the semi-muted colors because it's you know snowfall and winter of the of the buildings and everything, and then it just makes the color of the two Vultures and Spider-Man pop because they're up against kind of like a, a little bit more of a contrasted white background. And they just, they just pop. And I just, uh, the coloring in this whole book, I think is awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and he's, like we said, it's just, he knows that that colors, the colorist knows how to do it in the right frame and the right time mm-hmm. and offsets it and contrasts it so well.
1: The character beat with Flash is funny too, as he's leaving, he's walking and he's, he's like, what? And he's just questioning of like his place. Like I used to be a star, I used to be a stud. None of this makes sense. And the big bag of money just drops right in front of him. And then that great Amazing Fantasy number one nod. Wait, is it number one? Spider-Man's debut is Amazing Fantasy number one. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. I mean, that's a great panel too, which that's instantly what I
2: thought of. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, definitely the good homage to it. Okay.
1: wasn't just me then. Okay. Trying to be too (laughs) (laughs) close. And
2: and like you said, we see our mystery man who's about to, we get a little bit more of him. He's getting ready to make his big entrance very, very soon. As Flash is sharing that, you know, he's heading to, he, Spider-Man's in, in inspired him to, you know, quit football and join the military, uh, thanks to his interaction. But I like how it ends the issue uh, with Peter continuing reading, future Peter reading to the recording to Gwen. You know, I, I had to make a decision, Gwen, one that would eventually answer if I spent the rest of my life with you or with MJ. What I didn't know then was the decision was never mine to make click
1: yeah that's that's uh that's good that's really good and i also i i like it's leading you in one direction of like oh whoever this person is they've got peter they know where he lives that's where you're left off with this issue as well and then the the gwen thing too like ooh, what a what a good ending and then the next issue it's not not what we thought
2: hey everyone before we go to the next topic we're going to head into some ads that help the geek ultimate alliance keep the lights on we don't get to choose what ads come on, and they sometimes can be a bit loud. So I want to give you a three count in order to give you the opportunity to turn your volume down before they come on. Three, two, one. We'll be back in a little bit. Nope, it is not. So the last issue of this series entitled All of Me. So what? what are, there's probably a good number of highlights that you'll probably want to go over because there's a lot.
1: Well, I like that. Didn't even hide it by the second page. And you're like, oh, it's Craven the Hunter. <laughs> oh, that's who it is. <laughs> that's who it is. Okay. But eventually he gets... So he, he crashes in because they're having a party. Craven the Hunter cra- uh, bards in and he grabs Harry because Harry used some of Peter's cologne. Bum, bum, bah, and he thinks that yeah. Harry is Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, because in the previous issues, uh, Spidey had lost part of his costume in the fight with the vultures, and Craven had picked it up. But I like also how we introduced, like you said, they kind of give it away. If you know Craven, you could see it in the shadows mm-hmm. that that he has orchestrated this whole thing of either releasing or hiring these villains to send Peter through the gauntlet. Yes. You know, kind of, you know, just just weakening him. And I said that's that's kind of interesting. Him playing with his food instead of. St- taking him down at his peak, you know, kind of like a, a, what Bane did to Batman, you know, you didn't take him at his peak. You took him at his weakest point. So how are you the champion now?
1: Thank you. Okay. Because I've, I'm going to try and keep it related to this, not veer off, but I've always wondered that too. On if you're, if you're, you want to be the best, but you're having everybody else beat something down. And then you come in, it's like, are you the best though? You needed a lot of help.
2: I'll give you you A-plus for, like, you know, your plan. However, who really beat him? Yeah.
1: You didn't beat him. Mm -mm. Mm-mm.
2: Your plan did, uh, but, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your plan sure did. So, bravo. But, I mean, it doesn't bother me so much in this story. But that, as we find out, too, is because it was a contract from Green Goblin.
2: Yes, Harry Osborn's final thing. And we find out in this one, like... Harry is amnesic. He does not know who he was. Who Peter is really? He gets a kind of a, a hint at it, but you know, we get another mystery at this one of who sent Peter this Valentine. Mm-hmm. But, I yeah, but it's think we know who we do. But but look at that action sequence that we see. Craven full splash page. You know, as he busts in and starts tearing everything apart to get to. Who he thinks is Spider-Man because he thinks it's Terry, you know. Yep,
1: and he just gets rid of Flash Thompson fast. So I don't know Unintended. how well Flash is doing. <laughs> yes, in a flash. Um, so I don't know how well he's doing in the army, but there aren't many craving the hunters in the army either. I don't. I suppose, but no, not it, so much. It was so Norman Osborn's been kind of kind of absent throughout the book and so he pops in as well too because this was also as peter alludes to a little bit of is seeing peter or seeing spider-man gonna jog his memory and like make him remember oh yeah oh yeah i was green goblin and you're us fighting spider-man and you're peter parker so i think that's a cool little bit of like drama a little tension to put Mm -hmm. in there but then and norman even has a little bit of like a like hot sweats and maybe this is the moment and then nothing. So that's kind of nice.
2: Yeah. It's nice of future hints to Tom as you read the series, but you know, we kind of end this vision of the past with finding out who sent him that Valentine and who, who he ends up choosing at that moment.
1: Gwen Stacy, which in looking back to, if it's a story of how he fell in love with Gwen, it was like, well, Ryan, how do you think it was going to end? Like, duh. True. <laughs> like, I don't know how I thought the book was going to end, and then look at the last in full color page: is the two of them, Peter, the nerd, is so ripped with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> but that I don't know. That's a I don't know. That's a good page.
2: It is, and I think it's like you said. We know how they get together. We know they get together at some point. However, it's the journey that is the most interesting. How did it get to this point? You know, mm-hmm. between. But I think the ending is what r- tugs at my heartstrings just because again, knowing the history, know how much Gwen was to him, you know, just kind of read the last few lines, mm-hmm. you know, he says, I just wasn't up for that life is a party and MJ is the cake thing, but something happened that night. I think it was that now your death was MJ's wake up call that we weren't going to live forever. And the party was going to end Gwen, I don't, think mary jane watson could have had a serious relationship with me until she realized how much we all lost with you gone she she would later become my wife i had to learn to love again and she taught me how and then mary jane enters and i just love how it's colored at this point like we've always seen mary jane throughout this whole time as vibrant life of the party and now she's You know, his wife, it's, it's a somber moment, but just how soft it it, compared to before she was not like the palate was not soft on her. She Mm -hmm. has changed. She has matured in in just that moment. And so, you know, she says, hi. And she said, he's Peter says, MJ, how long have you been listening? And she goes long enough. And Peter says, I'm I'm sorry, MJ, I didn't mean for you to hear. And she says, it's all right. I just came up to make sure you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. And she says, "Uh, will you do me a favor? Say hello to say hello for me and tell Gwen I miss her too. You know it takes. You know he goes on to say. You know MJ said to say hi and he says I guess when I try and sum up how I get how I feel sometimes around this time of year, I feel blue, not like I've been dipped in a tidy bowl, uh, bowl man, but like in music and jazz and feeling blue. And I and I long for a time when the girl I knew with an incredible smile and so much good in her heart made me think life can be great and uh you know and and it's just that moment that mj knows she wasn't the first she wasn't his first great love and she accepts that Mm -hmm. and she understands that and she doesn't hate peter for it she she
1: She's so, so understanding, which I think it plays such a strength in the story. It's such, it's a good end beat. It's a good strength for this version of the character. Also very true to the character.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think so. I, I, it all plays really well, as well as the soft tinted blue over all this. And then the explanation of, I feel blue. Not that I've been dipped in the tidy bowl, man, but like in music and jazz, exactly what you said that Loeb was going for at the beginning. And it does it, I don't know. And I think this kind of, this is why I said that it plays really well upon like a second reading, a third, a fourth, whatever. Cause you can understand that mood mm-hmm. of sometimes where you are just kind of like, no, I'm not depressed. but there's something a little, I need something like this. I need reflection there.
2: Or... Oh yeah. And, and it, you know, reminds me of, again, it's just like how much Gwen means to him. I mean, go back to our house of M reading. And when house of M happens, Peter, Gwen's alive. They have kids, and when that's taken away from him, he is utterly devastated. Mm-hmm. Not because not ju- not because like it, it, he's back with MJ because he loves MJ with all his heart, but the love of his life was back in his life. He had a family. He had everything he always wanted with her that got ripped away in that one moment on the bridge, and just like again, he it'll it's like it's his uncle Ben with love you know, mm-hmm. he didn't love, but like his, his, his one love. And it's just, that's what makes the story so good. Good. And that's, I think Loeb said it at best. It's like, I wanted to remind people again, how much Gwen in, is such an influence impact her, her miss her no longer being in his life physically there for him impacts him every single day, just like uncle Ben's death and his, his culpability that he holds over his head um, just like in Ben's death with Gwen's death. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, kind of nailed it. <laughs> I don't have any wiser words for that part or anything, so.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, we come to the end of the issues, but, um, you know, you, you, this is one of your, you know, beyond Batman, this is your favorite character, but one of your favorite stories with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, you know, how does this, what makes this one of your favorites and, and its own impact on you?
1: So I think it's a, number one, it's a good run through of Batman or <laughs> see Batman's always on the brain, Spider-Man Dang. villains, Spider-Man villains, because I think that's also a reason why Spider-Man is second to Batman is because the list of villains and they're fun villains. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we get a, a fun run through here of them, which no, we don't get a ton of like doc, Ock, but I mean, we do get one page and we get one page of Scorpion, but then, you know, we get Rhino and green goblin and the lizard and two vultures and craven but it's not it's not just splash pages fun that's it it's i think it's just really good character interaction and i think really uh truthful and honest to loyal to the the history of characters in spider-man books didn't try to do let's do something really different with them and outlandish it's it's true to all of them and kind of retells the story but in their own respectable way and so i just think it's it's just great character moments that are sprinkled with some really cool action beats. And it's not, it doesn't require a ton of knowledge of Spider-Man history. It's contained. It can, you can read it. I read the whole thing today in two sittings. So it's not a large Mm -hmm. time requirement. So if I love long stories that are really dense and stuff too, but also there's the ones that are quick reads. I revisit a lot more. And so this mm-hmm. is all this is always if I need to reread a Spider-Man story, I want to read a Spider-Man story. This is this is number one.
2: Yeah, it's interesting how you say, you know, they have such respect for characters because in that article, I left this part out. You know, some people have said that Loeb, quote, quote unquote, like messes with continuity. And he takes offense to that. And he says, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. You know, he he, he says, you know what? They say they seem to forget, I don't own these characters. I answer to an editor, a publisher, and a publishing company. If they say I can't tell a story, then I can't tell that story. But if they do, and then they must have some reason that they want to be happening, and hopefully it's out of respect for the material of the character besides, I will always insist that if you want to, you can find our stories right in between the pages, of the stories you already know. And again, he calls out where this takes place. These were ideas that may have not been covered, but there are so many different panels that he homages to. Mm-hmm. So you understand where this goes. So yeah, I found that very interesting that there are some in the community that thinks he messes with history, but I think this book honors what Lee and Ramita senior had done in their stories with mm-hmm. this arc.
1: Definitely. Uh, and I really wish that they would have done their prequel in Spider-Man vs. Green Goblin, but Hey, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> that could be Spider-Man green um mm-hmm. or spider-man red with envy i don't know i don't know there you go i got all these ideas because they you know it's been a few years since they've done a book together so they need to mm-hmm. reunite and come back to spider-man no. Please? Please? he's
2: freed up from Please? he's freed up from doing marvel tv so <sighs> what I don't else know are you he's doing gonna... jeff yeah i don't know we'll see if he still has any love for marvel being the fallout from what happened so i i, I look forward to when he does and i say when he does because i'm I like to be confident yep, that he's he not will done head back to writing. He he is he is not done telling his stories. So, you know, could you see this as would you like to see this either in a movie, a TV show, an animated feature? What would you think be the best medium for this story?
1: I would love for them to do a, an animated movie on it mm-hmm. because they can definitely expand to fill a runtime because i think uh the runtime usually is it needs to be between an hour and 10 an hour and 20 minutes they could definitely accomplish that with this if it is not continuity based to where it has to follow things that they've already done or specifically needs to follow behind it it can stand on its own you'd get your folk like you need to sell it okay sell it with Peter meeting the two characters and then action beats. Like I think this is money on the table for Marvel. (laughs) Get on it.
2: Yeah. I would agree with you. The animated route would definitely be, be there. And it's, it's one you don't have to spend too much time of rehashing the origin. Heck look what, you know, into the spider Verse did making it a joke. Let's re. Okay. I'm going to tell you one last time, you know, that Mm -hmm. was, that was brilliant on their part. So, you know, so as always, my, my final question is, um, question. Excuse me. As uh, uh, who would this this uh, you know graphic novel appeal to, and how would you recommend this to someone who has never read this?
1: It would appear to, appeal to any Spider Man fan. Uh, appeal to anybody no. that is. I know. I know. I'm speaking for all of them. And I think anybody that's watched, if they've watched any live action Spider Man movie, and they're like, "I've never read a comic," I'd say, "Here you go." I know that like this doesn't necessarily be, need to be the introduction of the character to somebody, but I, I feel like it's universal no matter in live action. If Maguire was your favorite, Garfield was your favorite, or Holland is your favorite, I just don't see how you couldn't like this version as well. Mm-hmm. And my elevator pitch is Peter Parker falls in love with Gwen Stacy and meets Mary Jane Watson for the first time. Peter Parker is torn between Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Watson.
2: Peter Parker
1: reflects on the horrifying death of Gwen Stacy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Just kind of thinking about as you bring up Garfield throughout this time, seeing Gwen Stacy, my gosh, Emma stone. What a spitting image. What a great casting. In my, uh, in my in my opinion, I see Emma Stone in Tim Sale's art of Gwen. I think mm-hmm. she had that character down, and uh, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of that that version of of Spider Man Gwen Stacy. I think she did an awesome job, yep. um portraying that. So totally so, agree. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any final thoughts before uh, we bring the episode to a close?
1: Anybody listening, and for some reason you haven't read this, get on it. Doesn't matter which side of the aisle you sit on. If you're completely this or that or whatever, like this is like to me on the shelf of the top among the top, uh, Spider-Man stories. I think it's perfectly paced. I think it's perfectly drawn. It's got, there's no fat to be trimmed anywhere. They've got the right characters in it that are extremely loyal to their history. You get, there's plenty of moral lessons in it. And very true to the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man of there's bad and good. Like they go hand in hand. He's always struggling between this and this right when something good happens, something bad's to follow and vice versa. Which I think is very true to life, even though you've got this guy swinging, swinging from spider webs in the city of New York. It's like that element of that's very humanistic. I just it's just I think it's such a good story. And that's just because oh, yeah, I'm biased yeah. of Loeb and Sale. It's just I just think it's a it's a great Spider-Man story.
2: Period. Mm-hmm. Complete, completely, agree. And um, if you are on uh, Marvel Unlimited, um, it is all six issues are there for you at your waiting. Boom. Um, I can't speak. I can't can't speak towards Comicsology, but I can definitely speak towards Marvel Unlimited. All six issues are there. At your fingertips, so definitely check that out if you're a subscriber. But um, but again, thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, joining me once again and bringing, uh, bringing this book to uh, again to um get me a chance to reread a, a another awesome story. So thank you so much. And why don't you uh um remind people how they can follow you and plug your show one more time?
1: Well, Chris, thank you for having me on and letting me talk and nerd and geek about another comic book because it is always fun. We don't we don't have enough of that. And it put got a
2: little me to, jo- a little joy in the world with this, you know?
1: Exactly. Yes. Uh, this it, it got me to reread it too. So that's I uh, uh, thank you, sir. And uh, yeah, as we mentioned at the top of the show, my podcast has finally launched, the Batman Book Club. It you can on Twitter's where I try to keep the most information out, which is at the Batman BC. Uh, and also my regular, like, my Twitter, where I mostly just tweet about all things Batman, surprise, surprise, is at Lauer underscore Ryan, and Lauer is spelled like lower.
2: Awesome, awesome job. And, again, give his podcast a listen, uh, everyone. It is, again, if you're it's, it's focused on Batman, so be a Batman fan. Um, <laughs> if you're not a Batman fan, probably not for you. However, <laughs> um, you know, he's. I enjoyed his first episode. He does a great job. You know, he's not new to the podcast and where, as you said, he's been a freaking contributor to uh, Batman on film. And I'll tell you what, that, that interview you did with the uh, author of the definitive Batman uh, book that came out. Oh, that was awesome, man.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. Total, total shot in the dark, reaching out to him. of like, Hey, can we please, uh, or not? We please. I wasn't like a little kid begging, but (laughs) I was just, would you be interested? There you go. Would you be interested? And Mm -hmm. he's like, yeah. And I tried, as I always try to keep it limited to a certain length because I don't want to take up anybody else's time, and then my mouth just keeps blabbing. And he, I mean, he was great, Andrew Farrago, and he is so smart, so smart, and knows so much about Batman. If you read that book or looked at that book, you'd understand. Like, yeah, he is, and uh, yeah, that was that was such a fun conversation. It wasn't even just an me question him answer it just turned into a long conversation by the end of it too i was like i'm sorry i kept you for like an hour and a half he's like oh i kept going it that was fun okay good Mm
2: well like i said i'm so happy you're striking out on your own another person joining the community putting their stuff out there so I, i look forward to your future and just keep at it you know, you've got a, a character with this very steward history. So I look forward to what you do with your podcast. So thank you again for joining us. I look forward to our next collaboration on my show and your show. So thank you so much again, Ryan.
1: Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it.
2: All right, listeners. We have come to yet another end of an episode of world's finest true believers. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at finest believers and me personally at Chris Balgo. You can email the show at World's Finest True Believers at gmail.com. Feel free to tweet or email if you want to be a guest, provide feedback and ask questions. Continue sending those emails. I enjoy reading them. Um, continue to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms that you listen to on. We're on almost, I feel like, always looking at the stats and where these po- my podcast is dropping, not only on platforms that are around the world, it always is humbling for you all listeners out there that are not just beyond the United that are beyond the United States or just any of the states international. It's very, very humbling. So thank you for giving this podcast a shot. So as always, as I end the show, you all are truly world's finest true believers. And whenever you're listening to this morning, afternoon, evening and night, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I'll be talking to you soon. Bye bye, everyone. Mm